invite your attention to Acts chapter 4. We are going to uh, <clears throat> focus our attention on verse 33. I want to begin reading at verse 32. Uh, phenomenal things have happened. Uh, church has been growing uh, by leaps and bounds. The Pentecost, of course, spawned this whole thing. Uh, it may have been six months to a year that has gone by, and the Jerusalem, all of them are focused in Jerusalem. The church is focused in Jerusalem. They are all Jews. Uh, going to the temple daily. A great miracle takes place in chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 3, which of course is the lame beggar. Uh, that creates a stir all over Jerusalem. And it also uh, incites in the Sadducees, and uh, especially the Sadducees, but the leaders of Israel, a great disturbance that they have continually been preaching Jesus, uh, in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. And they finally had enough of it, so persecution, this is the launching of the persecution of the early church. And they have threatened them uh, to the point that if they speak about Jesus ever again, they will receive the same consequence that Jesus received. They have come back to the early church, have reported everything, and they broke into a praise session. And now he's giving a report of the result this may be months later after that praise session. We don't know. But he's giving us a report again of what the early church, the status of the early church, what's happening uh, in them and to them and where they are. And it reads like this. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection from resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for any who were, who, who were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed them to each to, to each as anyone had need. Let's bow in prayer. That's our prayer, Jesus. We have absolutely nothing to say. No request, no demands. We haven't come to push you around. We've come to fall at your feet. Capture us with yourself, we pray thee. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All my life, one of the, one of the consistent things uh, in the realm of the church has been that there is this constant desire, I would call it, to become like the early church. Uh, people come up to me and say, why don't we have the miracles that we saw in the early church? Why aren't we seeing it now? Uh, people will say to me, why isn't the power of God falling upon us like it fell upon the early church? There was a freshness about it for them. They had just come out of the resurrection appearances of Jesus. They had seen the ascension. They had just experienced Pentecost. They had also been involved in the crucifixion. See, it was all fresh and new in their minds and in their hearts and there was, there was this, this power of God that was moving through their lives. And, and we have a longing. There's something inside of us, isn't there, as Christians that say, Oh, if we, could, if we could go back to that, if we could have that same thing, if we could experience all of that in our own lives, if the same kind of miracles could take place, if the same kind of power, the same kind of evangelism. Do you know that in 70 years they won their whole world to God and Christianity became recognized as the world religion? I mean, they brought their world to its knees, people. Oh, something inside of me just whelms up and says, Oh, if that could happen again, I'd like to be a part of that kind of church of that kind of movement, of that kind of happening, if, if that could take place, how could that take place? Will it take place? Could it take place? I want that. I want that. So I... It's interesting that in verse 33 they talk about 
with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. And we've talked about this, that the, the giving witness to the resurrection was not just testifying about data and information and giving, it, giving oh yeah, I was there, I saw him, yeah, 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 no problem. Just, it wasn't that kind of a witness. It was a witness of the resurrected Lord Jesus. In other words, it was a testimony not of the event of the resurrection, but the fact that he was resurrected and that he was alive and that he had come out on the other side of the grave and there was this, this power that was in that kind of a witness. And the reason there was a power in that kind of witness was because of Pentecost itself, because the resurrected Lord had actually come to live within them. And since he was actually living within them, as they talked about him, he showed up. And there was this, there was this evidence, there was this flow that was taking place in their lives that was affecting. So you went away from hearing their witness saying, he is alive, why? I felt him. Did you see him? What's that kind of a deal? And again, there's something inside of me that says, oh, if we could have that again. See, if that could take place, if that could take place here, in my life, in your life. And again, I've struggled with this freshness of the thing because that was an element. I mean, they were absolutely hyper people. <laughs> you couldn't talk them out of it. There was no doubt about that. They had actually laid eyes on him and, whoa. Oh, that could take place again. In verse 33, this great power thing really stands out. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis, which you're familiar with, of course. And it's where we get our word dynamite. So it's explosive in nature. It just blares up in your face. It's a, there was something going on in the lives of the disciples that was not just theology, not just ideas. It was, it was aggressively getting at you, probing you. There was a great explosion in the lives of the apostles, dunamis. And of course, there's a, another word. It's not in the passage. But there is another word that's a parallel word that we've talked about in relationship to dunamis. And it's the word iscus. Which you really need to understand to get a hold of this. So there's the iscus idea and there's the dunamis idea. And, and of course they're intimately connected. We're not talking about really two different things. Although the emphasis or perspective is where the difference is. Iscus is a focus on the resource itself. Dunamis is a focus on the action or results of that resource. In other words, the resource is acting. The resource is moving. There's a, there's an, it's extended. And because it's, it's moving and extended, you get these kinds of results. That's dunamis. That's the explosive element. In other words, there's the dynamite. Yeah, it's just there. Hey, be careful with it. Hey, don't drop it. Hey, watch what you're doing. Hey, there's the dynamite, the stick of dynamite. I got that. But it's the iscus. And then when you set the thing off, you've got the dunamis. And you can see how they're connected, for sure. You can't have one without the other. Got it. But it's a different of perspective. In other words, the iscus is a focus on the actual resource itself. The dunamis is a focus on what that resource is accomplishing as you watch it. See, the iscus is the factual reality of the resource the dunamis is the achievement of that resource as you watch it in its movement see the iscus is this idea of the cause and the dunamis is the effect so you got the cause the effect and again they're both connected got that and you can't have one without the other understand that and it's a difference of perspective iscus dunamis Resource, results of the resource. When you come to the passage, there obviously in their lives is this dunamis. So in the life of the apostle, there was this flowing resource. You look at him and we look at that and say, whoa, man, if we could, if we could get back to that, if we could get back to the effects, whatever the effects are, 
We want the effects of evangelism, the effects of miracles, changed lives, all of that. Oh, if we could just have that kind, the feeling, the movement, the actual resurrected presence of Jesus in our midst. Whoa, if we could, if we could have that, if we could. But you see, that comes from the iscus. So this is not the deal. This is the deal. Well, this is the deal. But you can't have this without this. And everything that was going on in the early church in the realms of dunamis was a distinct result of this iscus thing that had somehow been turned loose in their lives that was just accomplishing and moving and was unresisted in their living. And because it was unresisted in their living, there were all of these effects, which was all back to this iscus thing. Now, the iscus, we understand, is God. We, we get that. Uh, and God is big. God is great. God is... In fact, when they were confronted with the persecution... And we've gone through this. But when, when they were confronted with the persecution, they broke into this praise session. And their praise session in verse 24 sounds like this. Lord, you are God. That's the opening statement. And really that's one word, which was despotes, as we've said, which is our word despot, which is tyrant. So when persecution came, how did they respond? Lord, you are iscus. You're a tyrant. There's nobody beyond you. Your resources, whoa, you're the, you're sticks of dynamite. You're, well, see, the focus wasn't on, oh, miracles. The focus wasn't on, oh, look what you did. The focus was on, whoa, the resource of who he was. Well, how big is he? Well, that's the problem. And I wish I could solve that for myself as well as for you, but I can't. You know, you go to Washington, D.C., and they have this thing called an inch. I mean, it's meticulous. It's, it's precise. It's, it's, it's the measurement. It's, that is what an inch is. And we measure everything by the inch. Of course, this is a foot. How do you know that? Because of the inch. And it's based upon the inch. When you put 12 of them together, you got a foot. And oh, by the way, when you put three of those dudes together, you got a yard. So wow. And then you got a mile, which is 5,280 of the feet. And it's all based on this inch thing. And if you throw away the inch, we have no... Well, what's the inch by which you measure God? Well, I'll tell you, God's bigger than this earth. Well, fine. But that's the, then the inch is this earth. Well, if God is bigger than this earth, how much bigger than this earth is he? I don't know. Because I can't. Is he twice as big as the earth? Well, the universe. God is bigger than the universe. How much bigger than the universe is he? I don't know. Two universes? Would you go for three? See, you and I have no comprehension of the iscus. Isn't that mind-boggling? No comprehension of the iscus. What if God is so absolutely almighty and powerful and great and so jam-full of resource? What if God could sit on a throne and think and make it happen? What if, what if the resource, resource of God, what if the iscus, what if our iscus that we're into, what if the source itself, what if the stick of dynamite that we're messing with, what if this thing is so... You want to shake your fist in his face? You want to say, well, I'm smarter than you are. You want to say, I can handle this better than you can. You, you want to say that to this iscus? See, we have no way of even beginning to measure the iscus. Except, isn't it phenomenal that this God who is bigger than the universes and we have no idea how much bigger he is wants to come and indwell me and produce a dunamis through me that will amaze my world. <laughs> that is. That's enough to startle you for the rest of your life, isn't it? 
It's interesting that time after time after time, and I really got intrigued with this, that in the first four chapters of Acts, forget the rest of them, but in the first four chapters of Acts, and forget them because I haven't studied them, but in the first four chapters of Acts, when you saturate in that, this, this idea that I've just expressed to you, the iscus and the dunamis, the iscus, the resource, and the dunamis, the, the result and the flowing, the effect of that iscus is just all over the place. Do you know how many times the word dunamis is used in the first four chapters? For instance, it's offered in prophecy, uh, the prophecy of Jesus. For instance, go back to Acts chapter 1 with me. Just a couple of pages there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Uh, they've been with Jesus in, in his resurrected parents for 40 solid days. And I, 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 I know I, I talk about that quite often because it just, to me, it's just, I don't, I don't know what to say about it. It's just, can you imagine 40 solid days with a resurrected Lord? <laughs> I mean, you eat with him, you talk to him, he teaches you, you sleep with him, you get up in the morning, uh, you, 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 you see him with his hair all messed up, he, he has breakfast cooked on the fire, you just, you just for 40 solid days. And then you want to say to me, uh, you sure he's alive? <laughs> Whoa, I was there, I saw him. Well, you say, Manly, you weren't there. Yeah, you're right. See, for them it was fresh. For them it was wow. You couldn't talk them out of it, folks. How you gonna talk a guy? How you gonna talk a guy who's been with Jesus for forty days that he is that Jesus is really dead and you were just on pills? Well, all hundred and twenty weren't on pills for forty days. Come on. Or the whole 12 weren't on pills for 40 days or whatever. Come on. I mean, you could fool some of us a little bit some of the time, but you couldn't fool all of us all the time. I mean, forevermore. In fact, Luke calls this infallible proofs, which is 110%. I mean, an absolute, that there is an absolute, absolute fact. And the absolute fact is Jesus is risen from the dead. The absolute fact of that. And they were right in the middle of that thing. And just as he was ready to ascend, this is the last of the 40 days, the last day, and just as he's ready to ascend, Jesus turns to them and says, but you shall receive power. There's the dunamis. You're going to get the dunamis, guys. Dunamis is going to happen in you. Well, how is dunamis going to happen in us? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When the iscus, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you, dunamis will be the result. Well, I want the dunamis, then you get this Holy Spirit. I told you, hey, go to Jerusalem and hang out. Wait, wait, don't do anything, don't go anyplace. Hang out, guys, hang out in Jerusalem until this iscus comes, and then the dunamis will get, begin to take place, and you won't have to worry about it. So what you need is the iscus. You've got to have the iscus, and there is no dunamis without the iscus. See, that's the whole... So hang tight, guys. Hang tight for the iscus. Get, on, get involved in the iscus. And that was his promise. And it's interesting, if you want to break down on that, the form, of course, uh, the form of the whole thing is the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's the iscus. And, of course, the focus is witness. How, what's, the, what's the dunamis going to do? Witness. Well, how much is it going to witness? The whole world! Which is kind of scary to guys who hadn't been more than 100 miles away from their own home, hometown. That was the promise. So they did hang out. And the iscus came. Oh, the iscus came. And when the iscus came, all oh, the dunamis began to spill out. And here they are. There was 15 different nationalities and dialects there watching this whole thing. And when the, when the iscus came, they, all, they began to talk Galileans who can't even talk English. <laughs> you know, they say Nashville instead of Nashville. They, they, they talk about singers instead of singers. You know, they don't, they just, they haven't got it. They don't, they don't even, wow. And they're talking in 15 different dialects that they don't even know. And what do you say? I think that's dunamis. I think that's dunamis. Yeah, dunamis is happening. Where'd it come from? Iscus. So the iscus came. And when the crowd 
watched this whole thing. They said, whoa, explain this to us. Isn't it interesting? Peter stood up on his hind legs, filled with the Spirit, of course, and, and, began to, and said, I'm going to explain this to you. And, and what was his explanation? Verse 22, chapter 2, which is the next place this, this dunamis is mentioned. He said, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man proven by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Oh, by the way, word miracles is dunamis. You want an explanation for what's going on in this group? I'm talking the iscus has come and, and the dunamis is the result. You want an explanation of that? He says, I'll tell you. The explanation is Jesus of Nazareth, a man. You nail him to a tree. You saw him for three years in ministry. That guy, that guy, whatever was going on in him, that's now going on in them. The same iscus that filled him is now filling them. And the same dunamis that spills out of him is now spilling out of them. And that the whole explanation for what Christianity is is exactly what was going on in Jesus. Which is what? Aniscus came into the life of a man and began to spill through his life and produced a dunamis. So everything I'm looking for in dunamis has to come from the iscus. And when we're talking iscus, of course, we're talking Holy Spirit. Yes, we are. We're talking the Spirit of Jesus. Yes, we are. We're talking the nature of God. Yes, we are. We're talking the very essence and person and character and, and, and mind and will and emotion and personality makeup of the person of God. That's right. We're talking about a trinity who's literally cracked themselves open and said, Hey, come on in here, boy. And we have gotten in on the very inner nature of God. That iscus, that resource. Well, God is bigger than the universe, whatever, however big he is. That God the iscus has come. What's that going to produce in my life? Dunamis. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying. What? You're going to take dynamite and try it? You know, it's exploding in your face. Well, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> See, you want to get out of there. You, are you, are, do you get this? See, it isn't a trying, struggling, attempting. I'm working on it. It's a, whoa, turn it loose, explode away, blow up in my face, take my life, and whoa. The iscus, who is bigger than, wow, I can imagine. And the reason I know it's so big is because I saw it in Jesus. That the same iscus that he had, I get. Now... I was taught that there's two Holy Spirits in the New Testament. There's the firecracker Holy Spirit, and there's the dynamite Holy Spirit. Well, who taught you that? Well, the church people. Because they talked about the dynamite and lived the firecracker. See, I saw the explosions. <laughs> but they talked dynamite. What if that isn't true? What if there's only one iscus? And what if the iscus is bigger than the inch? Bigger than the universe? Bigger than three universes? Bigger than four? How far you want to go with this? The iscus. That iscus! That iscus! Who can sit and think and it is. That iscus! That iscus! who nobody contributes to, but is always contributing to others. What if that iscus, that iscus, that you never do anything for, he's always doing for. That iscus, that iscus, who is so absolutely resourceful in his own being that everything is produced out of his inner source, that there's nothing that he derives from. What if that iscus produced a dunamis in my life? Oh, wow. Well, there was such a stir that uh, 3,000 got saved, as you know, and the church began to grow, and they were adding to, 
and he gives that whole report at the end of chapter 2, which is this uh, same kind of report he's giving now. Sign and wonders were, doing, were done. They were believing they were together. They sold their possessions and goods, divided them among, among them all as anyone had needed. So the whole same scenario, same, same message, he's just duplicating. Then you go into chapter 3, and of course persecution lands because, hey, there's resistance to this iscus and to the dunamis. And of course... Uh, the lame beggar is made well. And it's such a phenomenal miracle that all of Jerusalem is stirred and they gather at Solomon's porch and, and of course the lame beggar is hanging on, the scripture says, the lame beggar that's been healed, hangs on to uh, Peter as if Peter is responsible. And the crowd all gathers around and looks at Peter. So the lame beggar's looking at Peter, the, the crowd's looking at Peter and, and it becomes obvious that they think that he somehow is the instigator of this. All hail King Peter, you know. That kind of a deal. And, and Peter is absolutely horrified. And if you look at chapter 3, uh, look at verse 12. Peter begins to talk to them. And what does he say? So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Well, why are you? Whoa. What's the deal? Why isn't this normal for you? Why does this shock you? Why are you shocked when you have victory? Why shouldn't you be shocked when you don't? When a person gets saved, well, I didn't think they'd make it. Yeah, thought they wouldn't. Yeah. With their background, nah. We're not shocked. If they don't make it, why wouldn't we? What? You gave your life to Christ and didn't make it? You're kidding me. Well, I'm depressed. Oh, well, we all get that way. Yeah, it's life. Life is hard, blah, blah, blah. We accept it. Why shouldn't I look at you and say, what? You're depressed. You're kidding me. <laughs> Never mind. In verse 12, so he looks at them and says, why, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own dunamis or godliness we made this man walk? So Peter looks at the crowd and says, guys... We didn't do, I didn't do this. No, no. Hey, I picked my nose just like you. So, hey, no. Come on, I put my pants on one leg at a time just like you. Come on. Hey, I'm, I, I haven't got anything that isn't yours. Because the same iscus that has come to be in me that produces the dunamis in my life and brought the result in of a lame beggar can fill you just as well and just as much. So there isn't a hierarchy here. Oh, they're spiritual. I'm, yeah, I'll never be that spiritual. There isn't, come on, there isn't, get off of that. That isn't so. And he corrected them. Now the Sanhedrin got so bent out of shape about this, just absolutely bent out of shape, that they put him in jail, Peter and John in jail, and brought him out the next day. And when they drug him in before the court and begin to interrogate them, this is chapter 4, go to verse 7. It's interesting that what are they interested in? We want to know by what power dunamis. We want to know, we want to know about the dunamis. Or what name? What's the iscus? What's the iscus and the dunamis by which you have done this? We see the dunamis, the result. What's the iscus that pulled this off? Come on, tell us, Peter. Well, good night. Doesn't everybody want an opportunity like that? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, leaned back and said, Oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> the iscus is Jesus. I'm telling you, it's Jesus. 
I'm telling you, guys, it's Jesus. You nailed him. It's Jesus. He's raised from the dead. It's Jesus. I'm telling you, there is no salvation. There is no chance of salvation. There is no name. There is no iscus. There is no resource. There is no... He is the... He's the iscus that is pulling all of this off. So the Sanhedrin said, Ah, we know how to end this. Don't ever talk about Jesus again. That solves that problem. So they went back and told the early church. And the early church broke into this praise session. And lo and behold, here we go. Verse 33. With great dunamis, <laughs> the apostles gave witness. So they, would, they wouldn't give up the iscus. Because the iscus was bringing about the dunamis in the life. Now, I went through all that with you just to say, wow, isn't that interesting? That we, you can't have the dunamis without the iscus. And the iscus turned loose in the life literally begins to bring about the, the dunamis. Now, here's the message. There is a, and I'm not sure about the word here, there is a platform, there is an atmosphere, uh, and a platform may not be correct because the platform idea is somebody acts on the platform and the platform doesn't participate. So that isn't it. But there is an atmosphere, an attitude, a response, a between you and the iscus that allows the dunamis. And the iscus is the iscus. You can't stop that. You don't have any influence on that. Iscus is iscus. God is God. He is what he is. Redemption is redemption. All the resource. And Paul, you know, so strong on this. It's all in place. Jesus doesn't have to do anything. It's all done. So everything he wants you to have, all the victory, all the peace, all the power, all the victory, all the peace, all the power, all the forgiveness, all the, all the, all the, all the, all the. Every dream that God has for your life is all in place. It's, the iscus is all there. You're not going to contribute to that or de-contribute to that. It's there. You can't take away from it. You can't add to it. There it is. You may not get in on it, but it's all there. It is all there. But there is an attitude and a, an aroma, a, a, a response, an atmosphere in which this iscus is turned loose to do the dunamis in the life. And it's all over this passage. And there are, would have to be three studies to get this done, but I only want to give you one. There's three of them, but there's one. This one is, that we want to talk about this morning, is oh, integrity. Oh, brother. Integrity. If you go to the, new, if you go to the dictionary, integrity has two definitions. One is honesty. The quality of being honest. And that is integrity. Integrity is, hey, I long for the good old days. When we just came up to each other, looked each other in the eye, shook hands, and that was the deal. I didn't have to have a lawyer. I didn't have to have it notarized. I didn't have to, hey, you said it, it was going to be. Why? Integrity. Integrity. And I tell you people, if you don't have integrity, you don't have anything. You have absolutely nothing. If your word isn't any good, psst, then there's nothing good any place in your life. Integrity, integrity, integrity matters. But there's another definition for integrity. Not only honesty, but it has the idea of the state of being whole. Did you know the city came and we have uh, three houses we've been, uh, we've been look, working on uh, in connection with the CSC. Three houses. We even started on one of them. 
had a working witness team and do some stuff. Do you know the city came and condemned those three houses? Condemned them. Condemned them. Said, hey, you got to tear them down. I said, what? Yeah, boarded up the windows. You can't, you don't go inside. What? Three houses condemned? Yeah, condemned those three houses. I said, why? They said, integrity. I said, what are you talking about? Look at the foundation. So we see, integrity is not only honesty, but integrity is, is this, this, this idea of being whole and being solid and being integrity, integrity. And I'm proposing to you that in the passage, what you've got going on is there's a group of people that have absolute integrity, which takes the iscus and turns it loose into the dunamis. Now, let me break that down for you. There's three of these. Number one, integrity and materialism. That's our passage. You say, I'm sick of hearing that, Manly. I am too. <laughs> but it's all over the passage. It's sickening, isn't it? They, he says, look at verse 32 again. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. They had all things in common. Then he gives our verse about the dunamis. And then he goes right back to, nor was there anyone among them, verse 34, nor was there anyone among them who lacked any, uh, for all who had, were possessors of lands and houses sold them. And, oh, brother, you're off on money again. No, I'm not. See, it's not about money. It, nobody's after your money. Keep your money. Nobody's after money. What we're after is integrity in your view of materialism. Well, why are you concerned about that? Because your view of, of materialism, integrity, and your view of materialism determines whether the iscus is going to flow in the dunamis. Come on, you've got sense enough to know that. Wouldn't it be awful if cross-style church in this town had the reputation of never paying its bills? And you'd walk down the street and you'd talk to people, hey, come to our church. Do you know what that would do to our witness in the town? There's not a chance in the world. That's way too practical, isn't it? There would be no way in the world we could... There would no, be no dunamis in the life of this town. Uh, the iscus would not flow in dunamis if there wasn't integrity. If that's true for the church, oh, you're a part of the church. If that's true for the church, that's got to be true for you and your life. See, my kids aren't going to be impressed with Jesus moving in my life if I don't have integrity. And it's not just a physical thing. It's not, well, okay, I'll pay my bills. See, it's not, it's not that. It, it, it's attitude. It's, it's perspective. It's perspective of materialism. And we walk through some of this. But there, obviously in the passage, it's an ownership thing. The way they viewed the stuff. Their stuff. They viewed it. Well, let me read it again to you. It says, and this is so... To me, wow. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. I mean, who lives like that? Nobody lives like that. Cross style is an interesting I was uh, in one of the classes with the students. Uh, gave them the origin of that language for me. Not that I invented it, but, you know. Sometimes, someplace, in the operation of working in the scriptures, that whole thing just hit my life like a ton of bricks. And, and the cross moved from an, from an activity, moved from an event where Jesus died for me, and moved into, wow, 
He lived this thing all the time. And the idea that when Jesus was washing feet, oh, that was the cross because he's the master and he's doing this. Oh, he wasn't living for himself. That's the cross. So Jesus died on a cross a long time before he ever got there. He leaped off his throne and became man. Whoa, that's the cross. Good night. That's a leap and a half, folks. He gave up everything he had as God in order to become a lonely man, a manger kid. Come on. I mean, that's, 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 that's the style of the cross. So what God was calling us into is this style of the cross. And do you know what the one single thing that will not allow the dunamis to take place in my life it is that I am not living, I am living selfishly. I'm all wrapped up in. He gives two examples in the passage. Barnabas. Here's this Barnabas guy, verse 36. He's an apostle, son of encouragement. Woo, that's great, yeah. And he has this land. He sells it, brought the money, laid it at the feet of the apostles. Woo, integrity. Why does he have integrity? Sold his land. No. Gave the money to the apostles. No. He could have kept the land and still had integrity. See, don't you go out of here and say, oh, manly's just after money. That isn't, that isn't the passage, folks. Then he gives a second example, Ananias and Sapphira. You know the story. Everybody knows that story. And it's, it's, they had land. They sold it. But what did they do? They lied. They sold the land for 5,000. Making this up. Sold the land for 5,000. Gave four. Kept one. And said, oh, we only sold it for four. Didn't have anything to do with land. Didn't have anything to do with money. Had to do with what? Integrity. Well, why would anybody do that? Well, this is mine. This is mine. But I want to look good in front of the church. This is mine. But I want to appear to be. This is mine. I, want, I really want to appear to be generous. But this is mine. See, didn't have anything to do with money, didn't have anything to do with land, didn't have anything to do with requirements, didn't have anything to do with any of that. It had everything to do with I am all wrapped up in myself and because I'm all wrapped up in myself, I'm my own iscus and I am going to manipulate and I'm going to do everything I do to create my own dunamis and I am not in, oh, you won't own it all. And there was no integrity. Let me show you the integrity of the apostles. In the same passage, chapter 4, back up. They're in the persecution. They're before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is after them. The Sanhedrin has just told them, do, verse 18. So they called them, commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. And look what they did. Look what, how they responded to that. Listen to this. They've just been told never to speak in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. People, what am I supposed to do? They said. You say don't ever talk about Jesus. How am I on earth am I going to pull that off? I was with him for 40 solid days at his resurrection. He actually came, and the Iscus actually came and filled me. And I've been experiencing the dunamis in my life. And you tell me to be deceptive about that and never talk about it again and act like it isn't true. I can't do that. I don't know what to tell you. Folks, what do you want me to do? As surely as they were with the resurrected Lord, I saw him face to face. As surely as they were filled with the iscus of God, I've been filled with the iscus of God. I've been experiencing the dunamis of God in my life. And what do you want me to do? 
One guy came up to me. This is when I first started preaching. One guy came up to me and said, you ought to have to pay to preach that stuff. I said, I will. And trust me, I have. <laughs> Why? Because this is not a career. I've seen him. You want me not to talk about him? Why don't you preach about something else, Wendley? Wow, can I? What am I supposed to do? Have you met him? Has the iscus come? Are you experiencing dunamis in your life? Oh, I've got to quit, but there's this great. Did you see the word in our passage, great? Got to talk about that just for a minute. And with great power. <laughs> it's the word megas. It basically means unordinary, beyond ordinary. It's beyond ordinary. Well, how was the service this morning? Oh, pretty normal. That's sick. What are you guys doing down at Cross Style? Oh, doing church. Ordinary? I will not sacrifice for ordinary. And folks, if we can produce it by our personalities, if we can produce it by our talent, if we can produce it by our, our education, if we can produce it by our skills, then it's ordinary. Yeah. You can be entertained in a lot of places on Sunday morning. We're not a bit interested in that. What are we interested in? We're interested in great power. The iscus, the iscus, the iscus has come. And the dunamis is happening. And the iscus produces what counseling can't produce, what, 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 what good music can't produce, what preaching can't produce, what whatever you want to name can't produce. It's the encounter. And the turning of the iscus loose in my life by absolute integrity. What would happen if I was totally at his feet in total op openness with no hideouts, with no cover-ups, with no, whoa, here I am. Oh, we saw, we, we used to sing that all the time, just as I am. That was an honest statement. An honesty. An honesty. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Iscus. If you are as big as I think you are, which you are bigger than I think, I know, I know, because I can't think that big. But if you are as big as I think you are, if you are bigger than I think, would you even be listening to me this morning? Could I even have an, an opportunity of encounter with you where you would come and fill me with the iscus of your being? And would you do that if I was totally honest with you? Heads are bowed. 
got a problem, Manly. I, I want God to solve it. Well, forget it. He's not going to. Well, I got a need in my life, and I want him to answer it. Then just, just go someplace else. Just go someplace else. The iscus is not going to move in my life, in your life, without a total, absolute honesty, openness, surrender. There's no bargaining here. There's no, if you will, I will, kind of, well, I'll go this far, but not that far. There's, no, there's none of that. There's just plain flat down to it. Here I am. well as mine no agenda no con no manipulation no leverage on God no I fasted two meals so you got to do this God kind of stuff just oh iscus oh iscus of the all the iscuses of the world oh iscus Oh, the resource of the person of God. Here I am. In honesty, would you flow your dunamis in and through my life? I know you want the dunamis. I know that. I know that you want the dunamis. See, the only thing that blockades you from the dunamis, for the iscus flowing the dunamis in your life, is the integrity so our altars open for moments of honesty <laughs> moments of honesty and you can hide I'm not all that bad you can hide I'll pray when I get home you can hide well I don't like the preacher you can hide you can hide but you could experience. So I'm inviting you to openness, honesty. Want to join me in seeking?